Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And today I'm going to play a recording of what I hope will be the first of many more visits with Tanya and Greg Manning. In addition to assisting Sasha Shulgin during the final years of his life, they are continuing to work with Ann Shulgin to preserve the laboratory and other effects of hers and Sasha's life and work together. One of the things that I found really fascinating about our conversation was when Tanya read some of Sasha's unpublished writing in which he talks about his relationship with Albert Hoffman, including an interesting uh, antidote about their favorite drugs. <laughs> and then later Greg uh, gave a really emotional description of the peaceful final day of Sasha's life. As you'll hear in just a moment, uh, Tanya and Greg first came into Anne and Sasha's lives at the uh, 2001 Mind States conference that John Hanna produced. And to let you know what a big deal that conference was for me, you can go back to my podcast number one here in the salon, and that is a recording of the talk that I gave at that conference. And for what it's worth, even though uh, I've given hundreds of public talks during my lifetime, the talk that I gave at Mind States that year will always remain, uh, in my mind at least, the highlight of my public speaking career. So all three of us, Greg, Tanya, and myself, have a lot to thank John Hanna for. And if you go back and listen to some of the old Terrence McKenna talks, you'll also hear Terrence singing John's praises. Although he tends to keep a low profile, John has been the cornerstone of the psychedelic community for many decades, and we owe him a great deal. So now let's uh, jump into this uh, enjoyable conversation with Tanya and Greg, and uh, be sure to pay attention to the comment about Albert Hoffman's favorite drug. Cohen, I, I told Greg and Tanya earlier today that you're the guy from Belgium who stopped by with a case of beer unannounced. So <laughs> I don't know if they remember you. Do, you. do you remember that, Greg or Tanya? Uh, yeah, I actually do. And you were very polite and nice. And, you know, we like to take, we have, you know, the space to be able to, to have people like you who've, you know, traveled so far and, and come with, you know, bearing gifts and just have, you know, want to do the pilgrimage. That's why we're here. We want to keep supporting people who have interest in Sasha and Ann's work here. So um, you were delightful, I remember. And I, Let's see, where is he? Which one is he? What's well, the name? It's it's very night here. Let me just Oh there, you, there go. you are. Yes, yes, yeah, listen, hey, hey, you. Hey, very well. Greg, yeah. Greg and Greg and Tanya, up at the top corner it says speaker view and gallery view. If you uh, go to gallery view, you can kind of see everybody here. Okay, great. Oh my Perfect. goodness. Wow. Hi, All right. hi everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> So anyhow, Cohen is coming to us from Belgium, and it's what, like 3 o'clock in the morning there, Cohen? Wow. Yes, it's 3.30 now. 3.30. <laughs> Thank you for getting up. appreciate it. But I told them that you were here a couple of weeks ago when we had some technical difficulties and, and right. didn't make it. So I wanted to be sure that you knew. And, and uh, <clears throat> we'll, we'll, uh, I, I, I want to open this up to questions in a little bit. But uh, for, for Greg and Tanya, what I'd like to do is uh, over the course of the next uh, little bit here to 
eventually. I, I'd like to talk about Sasha, the, the, the guy, the human being, not just the chemist, you know. And I also want to, to find out what you all are, are doing to preserve his legacy and there at the farm and things like that. But I, I want to start out way back a, a ways. When I first started a, a uh, snail mail correspondence with Sasha back in the mid-80s, and it wasn't until uh, the mid-90s, or mid-99, when I got out here and really uh, got to know Sasha going through conferences and stuff like that. But it seems like from the time I got to know uh, Sasha in person rather than by mail, the two of you were already involved in his life. How did how did this all happen? How did, how did you come to... Uh, be what I call his right and left hand? Uh, well, let's see. Um, I read the P-Call and T-Call in probably the late 90s and attended a Mind States conference, and I really wanted to meet them. And so I was, you know, that conference, I met you and Mary C. there, and Carla turned me on to all our community that we are very dear friends of now, Carla Hignan. Was that in 2001? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, wow. And so we all met. And I mean, Laura Huxley was there, Myron and Jean, uh, amazing people at that conference showed up. Amanda and Jamie, um, just, just, a, just a cast of star, all stars. And that, that is my most memorable conference of all yes. times. It is, is the highlight of my whole life being at that conference. It was amazing. Yeah, well, John Hanna really knew how to put together conferences, you know, and after the Palenque conferences, he really took over as the guy who really knew how to combine art and science and um, uh, just in, a, in a, such a beautiful uh, and music, just such a beautiful combination of all those things in one weekend that it, it really, it, it, it blew all of us away and, and very blessed to have had those 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 times. Well, you know, for what it's worth, I, I attended several of the Palenque conferences, and while they were really special, I think that when it comes to conferences that have made a difference in the psychedelic community, the Mind States conferences are the ones that really stand out. You know, they were they were larger, and like you said, they were much more diverse. They brought in music and art and all kinds of cultural uh, activities, too. It, it wasn't just the conferences. Everything that happened around it at that night in the morning, and uh, John really was magical in what he did. Really was. Jamie, Jamie lost money on them all. <laughs> he, he, he did, yes. And, and he did, he really was mindful. And he was also putting out the Entheogen Review. And uh, in the early days of the internet, before we really had all of the social media, he, that was the only way we really could find out the latest um, discoveries in how to, um, how to use uh, visionary plants and, and and kind of and, and the early chemists really wanted to create Sasha's compounds in a righteous way before they became scheduled. You know, this all was in the very early days of that. And so anyway, I met them, and then I was we, Greg and I lived right next door. And I said, I just really want to for twenty five years. You, you, live, you actually lived next door to the show, yes, right on did. the other side of the fence for twenty five years. So, uh, <laughs> but what what did you know about them before the conference? Well, I knew he was a chemist, but I didn't know really what they were up to until I read the books. And then I said, I've got to meet these people are amazing. They bared their souls in these books. I mean, you know, 
they were just so, you know, the highs, the lows. And I love Anne's writing. Oh, I love how she, you know, wore her emotions on her sleeve and was just so real. They were both so real. And I, I was just saying that, you know, I have known you guys for 20 years now, but to not, this is the first moment I found out that you actually live next door to the Shogun's. Yes, yes. Um, and and uh, it was T Tanya worked for uh, Sasha for a, a few years before one day we were uh, uh, Sasha and Tanya and I were walking down Shulgin Road and uh, we were we needed a place to stay. we needed a place to stay after 25 years uh, we were separating from the communal group that we were living with next door um, so Sasha stopped and he turned towards up us and he said these words you know you are family now. And then he invited us to move uh, to move on to the farm, and w there were tears, and uh, uh, of course it was a very moving and momentous uh, occasion. And um, it's, it's amazing how how many little things uh, have to happen in order, in just the precise order and timing in order for people to find each other. Well, yeah. and it was the Altered States Conference in San Francisco that Anne said, oh, I have a job for you. My daughter's getting married and moving to L.A. Would you like to work for, for Sasha and write his next book with him? Like, sure, I'll join <laughs> in. And so that's yeah. what happened in 2004. And then we moved in in 2007. Right. And then I'd been going to Burning Man. Carla turned me on to Burning Man. And then... Anne saw that I came back very happy and I showed her pictures. And so Anne goes, I want to, we want to go to Burning Man too. So then we all went, I think, uh, 2006, seven, seven and eight. Right. In, in, two, in 2006 is when I did the, the really big Palenque Norte at the Theon Village where we had that huge tent. And uh, yes. right. that was the first time Anne and Sasha spoke there. And then uh, in 2007, uh, I had a little smaller thing, but I, I uh, was over there visiting with you all, and in my, uh, uh, I have a little 15-minute video from Larry to Lorenzo, my my biography, and Tanya, there's a picture of you and I and Anne in there from the 2007 uh, Burning Man. Oh, that's great. I, I, had, I had no idea um, about um, their their fame until uh, till we saw them at till we went to Burning Man with them. Um, that was when I when people surrounded them and showered love on them and I was, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they, they were really superstars. And, and, you know, not only you might've been in the right place at the right time, but Greg, the story that you just told about how you, you told Sasha that you were looking for a place to live and without hesitation, he invited you to move it to the farm. That speaks so many volumes about, Anne and Sasha, I mean, what incredible people to be able to just on the spur of the moment do something like that. They were so generous, and uh, and Anne still is so generous. Still are, still I mean, are. just uh, the generosity, uh, and it's going to go for for centuries, I think, for, for his contributions. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. just on a personal level, he treated every single person with respect, whether you were washing floors or had a PhD. He treated every person with respect. He communicated with prisoners who uh, would communicate with him. He took phone calls from young chemistry students. He, would, he really spent time with everyone. When you look at his files, all the correspondence that he did, he really loved people. You can tell he really uh, just, just adored people. And, and he really had us uh, he believed in you more than you believed in yourself. That's he 
you excelled around him because he was so infectious believing in people and believing in he always said you can do what i do if you're interested but you don't you're not interested in chemistry it's okay but you know he just he he was so infectious with his passion about adventure and life he was a he was a genius who uh, didn't believe his own bs you know he just he didn't drink his own the kool-aid he didn't <laughs> Yeah, he didn't have any... Oh, what a terrible analogy. Yeah, but, uh... he was so self-aware. But also, an example of his adventurous soul, I, I say every time I go to Burning Man, I have to go walk to the man because we're in a, in, a, in a seat for so many hours. He goes, oh, I'll go with you. And this was the Alex Gray one time. I think it was the Alex, Alex Gray uh, put the inside the Burning Man there. That was the 2006 one. Yes, and so... Um, Anyway, we go in there. They didn't finish, and they wouldn't let us in. But then they recognize Sasha, and they go, "Oh, well, you can come in." So we're like, "Oh, right, we're with the right people here. We got cred." Actually, somewhere I've, I've got a picture I took of Ian and Sasha sitting there. They they got chairs for them all too, and the, yeah. the thing was packed. You know, that was the biggest tent they've ever had on the. Oh, it is. Yes, and I want to tell you, Lorenzo. By the way, when I went back in 2011, the last time. Uh, Pez really has taken Palenque Norte, and uh, you would you would be proud of how he's continued what you started. So thank you for. Well, you know, I've I've podcast a bunch of things from Palenque Norte, and Pez has actually passed it on to other people now. And yeah. uh, I'm expecting the recordings from this year to uh, come to me soon, and I'll be podcasting those too. So that 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 has uh, you know, I I Mary C and I got that thing kicked off, but uh, there's there's been so many other people that have really uh, built it up now that uh, uh, I can only take credit for the first few years, but after that, it's all you know, like Pez and and yeah. Raphael and Sobe, and then uh, all of the new people now, like uh, Eric and people like that. So it's it's really uh, comforting to see, but. What it is, it's about the community, and yes. that's what Sasha was about. You know, in, in building yeah. on what you said, Tanya, I wrote to Sasha around oh eighty four or eighty five, and uh, you know, I just I, I knew who he was because I had a copy of his speech from the uh, uh, thing in Santa Barbara in uh, eighty one or two, and so I wrote to him just uh, Sasha Shulgin Shulgin Way in San in, in Berkeley. I not a much of an address. And because uh, I had a substance I was questioning about and I was shocked. He sent this this detailed letter back. And then a year later, when the analog drug law came out and it was printed in those, those big GVC binders, sick binders, out of the blue, I get one in the mail from him, oh, wow. not only autographed, but endorsed with a really nice letter on the cover of it. And although I have a copy of Myron's uh, first edition of uh, uh, Secret Chief that Albert Hoffman signed, this the the analog drug law uh, act signed by Sasha is the number one treasure in my whole life. Oh, well, you know that that's a segue for me. I really would love to read this one page that is unpublished that Sasha wrote. It's a story about him and Albert Hoffman. If oh yeah, want. please. Okay, this is Sasha's writing, and I have a little uh, caveat to the end of, uh, because he told me the story, but then he wrote it up. Okay, here we go. Many, many years ago, while I was still a research chemist at Dow Chemical Company, I received a cutting of a plant from somewhere in Mexico. I was told that the plant was salvia divinorum, that it was a psychedelic, that it was orally active, and that no one knew what was in it. So I went to the nearby lumber company, 
bought some wood and windows and built a small greenhouse out near the employee's parking lot at Dow. I put the cutting in there. I, I grew like fury. It grew like fury. And in six months, I had a greenhouse completely filled with salvia divinorum. This was in the days before desktop GCMS has even existed. My primary tool for exploring the unknown was spectroscopy. So I made a bunch of extracts with a variety of solvents and failed to get any information that would lead to identifying any compounds that were present. A general feeling of being made a fool of took over. So I bolted down as much of the leaf as I could and it all came up as vomit. I had no mental effects at all. Quite a few years later, I had the pleasure of meeting Albert Hoffman at a party down the coast from San Francisco Bay Area at a place called Esalen. I told him my story and he told me that years before, probably at about the same time I had gotten my cutting, he had received a cutting from Mexico. He built a small greenhouse behind Sandoz in Switzerland and in a few months he had a greenhouse full of salvia divinorum. His principal tool of exploratory analysis was chromatography. He went through his research tools with extracts from the plant and he also failed to find anything of interest. He also swallowed as much as he could of the leaf and he also threw up. There was no mental activity at all. What a pleasure to find that the two of us, unbeknownst to one another, had walked the same path. Everyone now knows that oral activity, in, print, in quotation marks, in the case of salvia divinorum, means not swallowing, but chewing it up and keeping the chewed material in your mouth. I mentioned MDMA to Albert, and he had not heard of it. I fortunately had some with me. This was before it was made illegal, and I offered him a dose. He said he was a little bit sensitive to stimulants, so he would start with half a dose. Within an hour, he said, this was very nice material, and he took the other half. So about six of us shared a very nice afternoon together. He said he thought his wife would enjoy MDMA, so I gave him two more doses to take back to Switzerland. Years later, he confessed to me that he much preferred MDMA to his famous problem child LSD, adding that he thought it best not to reveal this story to any but a few close friends. I said that I thought this was a wise decision. I have a feeling now, having had his 101st birthday, Albert wouldn't mind my having told this story to the rest of his admirers. Well, you know that the date of that, of course, probably uh, 2007 then, because uh, he died in 2008 at 102. But what he, Sasha told me was, he said, you know, Tony, it's funny, after telling me this story, he said, I much prefer LSD to MDMA, and he preferred my MDMA to his LSD. <laughs> so they both liked each other's compounds, even though Sasha didn't first synthesize it. You know, he, he did make it uh, known, the oral activity to the masses. So anyway. That, that is a wonderful story, Tanya. And obviously, <laughs> I've never heard it before. Neither has anybody else. That's great. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's little tidbits like this that um, we're archiving mm -hmm. and digitizing. And uh, John Hanna, God bless him. We went down to Myron and Jeans and we we took um, took all the saved files that Myron had. And God bless John. He saw this this uh, these letters that over a 10 year period, there was correspondence between mainly Anne and Myron, but also with Sasha and Jean as well. But the four of them over the 10 year period where, when they were trying all the 2C compounds. And so John made a, a nice book and gave it to Jean and Jean loves reading. She just loved reading it. She can't read very well now because she has macular degeneration, but she so enjoyed reading those. And, um, and then Anne 
read it and she goes, oh, this would, and John said, this would make a great book. And so that's what she's doing now. She's making a book out of it and she's gone through a second edit. So that hopefully will be the next book to be um, launched at, at some point in time. You know how long books take. I, I can't give you a date. So, but that's but let, let me, let me tell you a little bit more about that material in that Ooh, yes. uh, back. Uh, this is when Myron was still living there in Lone Pine, but he'd already, uh, uh, you know, become kind of dis disoriented and, and, uh, and he slept most of the time. And, and so I, I would go up there and I spent the time mainly with Jean, you know, cause Myron was really just not really available. And at some point in time I said, uh, well, did Myron ever get that box of, of correspondence and other material out of your neighbor's barn? And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, Myron told me that when the analog drug law was passed and he's told his secretary to get rid of all the, the Menlo Park records, that uh, he said that he had had this box of material where he had uh, done all the, uh, the uh, write-ups for the work that they'd done for P-Call and T-Call, the, the session work, and he'd put it in the neighbor's barn. And Jean didn't know about this. So really? <laughs> Just wow. what, I told her that, and I was hardly done talking before she was putting her coat on. And she went <laughs> over to the neighbor's house. I stayed with Myra, and she went over, and she got that box and came back. And for the next three days, Jean and I were like little kids in a candy store going through that box. Oh, wow. And, and, and uh, I, I, won't, I don't want to interrupt you with, with too much of this, but when, when – uh, I, I came back and I told John about it. And I said, you know, you really need to go down and rescue that thing. And I said, that's only the tip of the iceberg. And so he goes down and you were with him, I'm pretty sure, that first time. Yeah. 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 And, and you were down there. And, and John calls me. Uh, it was like the day you got there or the next day. And he's just reveling about all this stuff. And I said, but what about the stuff in the shed? And he said, what shed? <laughs> yeah. and I said, that's where the gold is. Go on down yeah. there. And that's what you guys have dug out since then. Uh, well, see, that's community working with mm. each other. And that, that's the beauty of our, our group. And, you know, Sasha and Anne and Jean and Myron, to me, they're our matriarchs and patriarchs. And uh, and, and they just, they, they you know. They... Well, listen, all of that material, and, and I, I want to get into talking about what's being done to preserve it and all. And I, I just want to give an indication of some of the, treasures that in the future maybe researchers can find. The correspondence between them is amazing, but to, and I don't know if they'll make this public, but I read the correspondence that uh, the letters that Sasha wrote uh, from his uh, time in the, uh, at the, what's that, that uh, controversial place he goes every year? Bohemian Grove. Yes, <laughs> he wrote some really funny, funny stories about that uh, to, to Myron, but the thing, the, the, from a, like a, for me, from and I, this isn't really big history, but my, I became really good friends with both Myron and Gary Fisher. And Gary was with Timothy Leary down in Zihuatanejo, and that's when Al Hubbard sent Myron down there to see what was going on and try to put a lid on things. And I, I told Myron, I said, "Oh yeah, Gary remembers you coming down there," and, and he said. Oh, I don't, I don't remember Gary at all. I don't think he was there. Well, it turns out Gary and Jim Fadiman were the two that hooked up because they were about the same age at the time. Right. But, but I, I come to find this uh, letter from, from Sasha to Myron, and he said, you won't believe the attachment in here. 
But he said, I got this German book on alchemy, and it's a big old book, 100 years old. It's in another language. He said, I'm paging through it, and the attached uh, letter was in there. And what it was was a letter from Myron to Timothy Leary telling what his travel commitment was and when he would be there in Zihuatanejo. So I was able to tell, I was able to tell Gary Fisher, without a doubt, Myron was there, even though you don't remember him. Oh, wow. <laughs> Those are the kind of little tidbits that are in this material that you have. And, and, and of course, you have all the lab books and everything, too. So uh, oh, tell yeah. us a little about what's going on with all that. Oh, well, God bless the Arrowids. They, you know, of course, they published the first half of Pical and Tikal in the, when that, that came out um, so that the information would be out there. And now they have really been our heroes in, uh, in preserving and very very methodically slowly you know but trout comes out every couple of weeks sylvia earth and fire you know going through just multitudes of photographs um uh the whole barn that's full of file, stuff the file cabinets are full and you know people trusted sasha so the underground chemists who had these these brilliant discoveries that they couldn't share with anyone because mm -hmm. it was so taboo then uh, they would share their synthesis and they, they, they had Sasha keep it in, in safekeeping. And, you know, someone like Daryl LaMare who didn't want to be found out. And then finally, when he turned 80, said, screw it. You know, I want people to know that, that I made the two CT ETO and I was the one, I know I was Lazar and cause under his pseudonym and, and, and I said, I want, we want to honor you, you know, but we also want to honor your, your, uh, your secrecy if you want it that way. You know, that's, every person is different. Each individual wants it a different way. Some individuals have uh, Republican relatives, so they don't want to be outed, you know. It, it's different with every uh, single person that we encounter, so we have to communicate with them. And, uh, and, and, you know, so it's a very, you know, it's a slow process, but it's so worthwhile. And, and the gems are, you know, like the one I just read that, that may or may never be published, but would be up on Arrowhead some, someday. But there's just so many little um, data points, just like in your podcast, you have such gold in there. And it's just a treasure trove of a collection of, of amazing uh, speakers and topics uh, of this sort. So, well, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you and Greg here tonight, because, you know, you, the two of you really got to know Sasha in his final years, uh, you know, as a human being. And of course, you guys are still uh, uh, very involved with Anne. And by the way, let me ask, how is Anne? Anne, you know, she's 88 years old and she's my, my, she's my best girlfriend I can get in trouble with. She's my therapist. She's my mommy. She's all those things, you know, we have a family dynamic and, mm. <laughs> um, you know, we have our ups and downs together, but, you know, she, she's amazing. And, uh, you know, she's in a lot of uh, physical pain, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't destroy her uh, desire to, you know, keep looking at her writing and, and editing it. And, you know, she's engaged in, you know, she has little therapy groups with people that want to have consultation about certain cases. And uh, she's very engaged with life. And God bless her. She's, I think she's doing great for all, all that's going on with her. And, you know, and she just lo adores her grandchildren, as you would <laughs> understand. <laughs> and, uh, and her son just moved back. So she's, uh, he comes over once a week. So, you know, she just... She's enjoying life as but, much as she can, you know? <laughs>
Yes, and she wanted to send her, she sends her love to you, and she's so pleased that we're doing this, and um, and she, she, anyway, she just wanted to send her love to you, and Mary C, too. And so, so tell us, what, what, uh, what is going on to preserve the, the legacy there at the farm? I know, you know, I, when we were talking this afternoon, you guys were surprised to hear that I'm one of the, the people that's never been to the farm. I know the Easter extravaganzas and almost everybody I know has been there. So uh, what's going to be done to keep this alive? Well, so far we, you know, we're making sure that all the materials digitized that we can, can find that it's possible. Paul Daly has taken over Sasha's lab. You know, Paul started working with Sasha in 2007 and he really invested a lot of his own uh, money and equipment and, and to, to make it, um, you know, to, to maintain it and also keep that kind of mad scientist lab alive that Sasha had as you, you, you haven't seen yet, but well, I've seen, I've seen a lot of pictures of it. And, and Paul, by the way, is very near and dear to my heart. He's, he took the, my very favorite picture of me giving a talk and it was at mind states and it's still my favorite picture of me. So, uh, uh, thank okay. Paul for that. <laughs> I will do that. And, uh, and so, um, and, and Trout is helping me preserve the ethnobotanical garden here. And I'd like to, you know, we're, we're thinking about now we have, things that were on hold when Sasha's health was declining. So now I feel like, you know, five, it, he, he died five years ago and, and also Anne is our first, uh, you know, our first priority. So in the midst, so it, thank God for the Airwoods to take on the, the archiving and Trout really coming in and, and, and doing this and Trout's helping with the. He's with, masterful. He's, he really he's, he's is. He's the perfect person for the job. He, hey, he, hey, listen, will, will you give Trout a message for me? He and I uh, exchanged a few emails a little while back and I, I'm trying to get him to come on here one Monday night and see if you can encourage him a little bit. Uh, I haven't seen well, him in a while either. Think he would be up for it, and frankly, he's here right now. And I was even thinking, oh, you know, maybe at, at some point um, it'd be fun if 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 you did it in the office from the office, it'd be kind of cool. But if, if the audio, I think we have to do audio. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> well, well, listen, tell tell Trout I have a guest next Monday. But uh, the, anytime after next Monday, I would love to have him and have him get back in touch with me. I think uh, he he is such an amazing guy. Yes, plus, you know, at, at one of our, uh, we had, we used to have these Frogwood events where Sasha and Ann would come and all of their, their dear friends. And we were part, we would help organize uh, those weekends. And he started the Cactus Conservation Corps at one of those uh, uh, conferences. And uh, he's just, he's an amazing guy. And he has just, he reminds me of a little bit of Sasha that I miss, like uh, his genius brain, his wit. Uh, how he can distill information and retain it, and so he puts pieces together and and will distill it in and and have an outcome uh, as as kind of an uh, a private investigator on certain things that were so underground in the past. And you know, there's there's old micrograms where they wouldn't be let out in, uh, unless just to a very few people. So uh, he's he's just he's. He, he's doing great work there and we'll find out a lot more information of our history uh, in the years that it were kind of the dark ages of psychedelics. So that's what yeah, he's. Yeah. He's Trout, Trout is probably the, maybe one of, if not the world's leading expert on cacti, cactuses, you know? Okay. Yes. yes, I would say yes. so. And, 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 
other areas fun, as well. Fungi. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, re I remember him at uh, one of the mine states where I think that during the uh, coming back from lunch or something, they did a, a, a question, a, a trivia thing, and they, they was trying to stump trout and nobody could. That's right. That's that's true. He always that, wins them. Should, <laughs> the Entheo Jeopardy. It was a mistake always, putting him on that panel. <laughs> that nobody else had a chance. Not no, a chance. Not a chance. That that's was true. A, that was a bad choice. You know yeah. uh, the thing about the all these people, Trout and Sasha and Anne, um, with all their genius and you know all their, their discoveries and uh, and their achievements, is that uh, they they are completely they're just regular. You know they just. You know, they're rascals. They want to you know, play. They want to just be one of the one of the friends, you know, and, um, and I, that's, I think, more brilliant than all their brilliance is that they see the pitfalls uh, of of fame and all this special, uh, you know, acclaim and knowledge. And they do whatever they can to disarm all of it. Um, oh, yeah. And Sa Sasha was famous for uh, farting at exactly the right moment, um, you know, and uh, 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 and and plenty of other things uh, on top of that, you know. So, uh, you know, the thing, you know, it's, it's, I took him to a dentist appointment once in Berkeley, um, and we had a half an hour before the dentist appointment. So I thought maybe I could stop in a head shop and t Sasha could wait in the car. Is it okay with you, Sasha? And he's sure, sure. And I parked the car before I got out of the car. He was already out and ready to go walk down Telegraph Avenue in Berkeley to go in the head shop with me. And uh, so we went down Telegraph into the head shop and we walked in and it was really obvious as soon as we walked in the door that these people behind the counter knew who walked in the door. And uh, I said, uh, I'd like to get a case of nitrous. <laughs> and, and they said, absolutely. This is the best stuff. This is what you should get. And this, we're going to give you a discount. And, uh, and so Sasha and I walked out of that head shop with that case of nitrous on my shoulder and walking down Telegraph Avenue together. And uh, it was just, you know, he was just a great friend, a, a cool guy. He just, he, he would, pun you to death, you know, make you groan, he would pull jokes on you, you know. Um, but he was also a great teacher. And he, he just didn't take himself seriously. He never, he, he never got the feeling like this guy's ego was in control. Um, he just, you know, uh, it was, it was such a pleasure to be uh, loved by him and to love him, you know, and to, and to hang out, mess around, you know. You know, until the, the two of you mentioned it just now, <clears throat> I hadn't consciously thought of it about how how they were like my next door neighbors. You know, they like you said, they had no ego. They and Sasha was without a doubt the the greatest chemist living during my lifetime, and I, I include Albert Hoffman in there. I think Sasha really uh, excelled everything there, and yet. <laughs> the the longest conversation I had with him was uh, uh, Christian Rush was giving a a talk at uh, Palenque and I I dropped a little acid and Sasha knew that and he and I sat down and talked for the hour and a half and and we talked the whole time about our experiences in the Navy and I felt like you know he was a, a sailor buddy of mine you know not not that he was Sasha Shulgin and when I when when you talk with Anne it's like. Uh, you know, she's not like my mother. She's like like 
a woman friend who is really wise. You know, I, I wouldn't say she's like my mother because she's not that much older than me. But she she is so not just wise, but comforting, you know, that, and I've, I've talked to Ann about a few issues and she's really just kind of grounds everybody and, oh, I don't have to tell you guys, do I? No, that's, she does that for me. That's, you know, as I said, she's my therapist sometimes too. And, and, <laughs> and she has a very well-developed dark humor side. Oh, that, yes. That, you know, you can get into this, you know, it's, you can get in this back and forth. It's really fun. You know, it's, it's, it's sly, it's snide, it's sarcastic, you know, it's all these, it can be a whole realm on the dark side. You know, she talks about um, the shadow, you know, well, she's, she's very good friends with her shadow. And yeah. these two shadows have fun with each other. When he, when she and Greg get together, they play, they have shadow play. And I've never seen anything like it. It's a very particular kind of sense of humor. So, uh, so it's, but, all, it's, you know, well-rounded. You know, this is, this is the first time I'm hearing this about Ian, and I, and I love it because one of the things I really enjoyed about Sasha was his sense of humor. And I don't remember exactly which birthday it was, but we, we were all asked to send our favorite jokes to him. Somebody put a joke book together. Do you remember that? Well, it was John Hanna, and it was Limericks. Uh, and it was his 82nd birthday, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I made my contribution to that one, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I think I might be on the Arrowhead website. You could, I think they published that finally. Oh, no, I'll have to check that. <laughs> check that out. Okay. No. Oh, I just wanted to say that um, also, be, yeah, Sasha being, to me, the greatest chemist, when he introduced me to Peyton, he said, oh, everybody thinks I'm the greatest ke chemist, but, but this guy Peyton, he's better than I am. Because he, you know, Peyton was kind of the unsung hero behind, he never really wanted to be in the spotlight, but he created all the 2C compounds with him right up until 5-MeO malt. And uh, they had a regular weekly uh, pizza place meeting for many, many, many years. They'd hang out and, uh, and Peyton still comes to the house for the parties. Yeah. Would, would, would the two of you uh, be interested in maybe talking him coming in one Monday night and the two of you uh, interview him for us? Oh my God. Uh, you know, he, he might be up for it now. I don't know because I've always, and you'd be a great interviewer because, uh, you know, I, I, I tease out stuff out, out of him once in a while, but he's just, you know, he knows the, the, the playful side of Sasha and he and his <laughs> father and Sasha and Anne would go to the Berkeley rep every month. He would, he would be in the lab with Sasha. He was actually with, before, uh, Sasha was with Anne. He knew he was at the tail end of with when uh, his first wife, Nina, was around. He'd come over for Sunday dinners. They'd drink red wine till three in the morning, creating compounds at Sunday night. Then go to UCSF Monday, have pizza at Roundtable Pizza. This was every weekly. This was for 40 years. Oh, my God. You know, uh, so that guy has a lot. And he has some really fun stories about when they were trying to name uh, the... Oh, I, what, what turned out to be twat, T-O-E-T, <laughs> and he has this whole chemical explanation. They said, you know, what should we name this? Oh, let's name it twat. This was at the intermission of the Berkeley Repertory Theater, and all these people were just aghast at what they had just said out of their mouths. So, but he tells the story much better than I do. Cause he but, hey, famous. listen, this is, this is really important because this is, you know, one of the things I, I'm trying to do here is to preserve some of the, the history, and we do that through storytelling. Yes. Uh, this, is, this is a really important part of our community history that, that he needs to stand up and take credit for. 
Plus, I'd love to meet him, and I think everybody would yeah. love to hear from him. Well, we'll talk to him, but uh, no guarantees. No, no guarantee. But but if if he came with the two of you and the two of you just uh, had a conversation with him, I think that would be really magical. Yeah, and you know, Trout actually he's very comfortable with Trout too, and uh, and 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 Trout remembers some things that I may not. So it might be a, a group grope on on some. <laughs> <other night. laughs> well, it's all about community, no matter how you. Well, it. it is. I think that I'll leave that to you we, and Peyton. We inspire each other. It's it's great. Because this because that reminds me of this one uh, this one day I was coming up from below the house, and it was the day when Peyton and Sasha, Sasha were hanging Sunday out and, and drinking their wine, and it was uh, a couple hours in, and they were and I was messing with them through the big picture window that that you can see Mount Diablo. And I have a flashlight to get around the dark. So I'd be flashing him with the flashlight. And I, and as I'm walking to come up the steps into the house, I look up again and there's Peyton. He came up to the window, turned around and dropped his pants and was mooning me through the window. <laughs> okay, so, this is a memory I'm going to really struggle to forget. <laughs> and Sasha would have to come up with limericks. They had a Christmas party at UCSF in their lab. And he'd always come up with a clever limerick about Peyton and the people that worked in the lab. And it was very clever. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't whip one, one of those out. But maybe when Peyton comes, then he'll, he'll, he can relate better and he can explain who these people are in the lab that he refers to so cleverly in these limericks. You know, and, and maybe the two of you can come with Trout, too. I think that would be great. All right. Cool. You know, there's a lot of there's, there's the whole range of stories. There's uh, there's the the rascally stuff and there's the brilliant stuff and there's the moving stuff i mean um after sasha um started to show signs of dementia um uh we were we were a bunch of us were sitting around the kitchen table one day and uh, um sasha said something um and he was a silent a lot at that point he was he'd be sitting for long periods of time and just kind of in some silent world and but then he said something and i and i asked him to repeat it um uh, and he said, oops, can't remember. And so uh, I said, so how does that feel, Sasha, to not have all that stuff running around in your brain anymore? And Sasha said immediately, it's very freeing. I am in shy amazement of the world in front of me that I haven't touched yet. Wow. He would come up with these amazing. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and, and I jumped up. I ran right into Anne's lair and said, I got to tell you what Sasha yes. just said. <laughs> you know, yeah. It was just this like beautiful moving family moment, moment uh, uh, of, you know, the, the, the inner Sasha, you know. And, um, you know, and then John Han and I would, we would go with Sasha and Ann and Phyllis and Dale uh, uh, to Lone Pine. And when Myron was starting to show signs and he wasn't talking at all, Sasha had this nonverbal communication with him. I remember because, Myron would pretty much just kind of grunt. He'd go, hmm, hmm. And so Sasha did this whole hmm, hmm, back and forth with him, call and response. And he was communicating with him on a very interesting level that I thought he was getting through to his, his inner being somehow. And, um, and that led to Myron and Gene dancing at some point. Uh, it, we found his dance card in high school at Cotillion. But those kinds of things, it's the humanity of all those people. And, and what, what great... Uh, what great examples to be like and, and to, and just to play with. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, you know, I, I hope that, that's, that, uh, that Anne can put together or, or someone can put together 
a, a volume of some of the correspondence between Myron and Sasha. It's, it's so classic. And I remember there was one summer where throughout the summer, the letters from Sasha kept saying, well, I need to do some, such and such in the lab, but first I've got the gophers are getting in my garden. <laughs> you needed one thing after another, laying wire down. And by the end of the summer, he, he wrote a letter and said, well, didn't get anything done in the lab and the gophers ate the whole garden. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm dealing with them right now. There yeah. aren't enough hawks and owls out There's there. There's a lot of critters around yes. in this place. Hey, hey, listen, yep. let, me, let me open this up to anybody here in, in the okay. audience. I'm going to unmute everybody, but if you'll mute your mics again so that you don't get background noise, okay. it's great. But everybody's unmuted if somebody would like to come in and, and ask some questions. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead. The little, go ahead. Enjoy the little stories. So if there's any other little tidbits that, you know, pop up to the top of your mind, I'd love to hear them. Hmm. Well, you know, um, I'm, I was trying to find the uh, the story that you told about Sasha's death, and, and you oh. described it in, at Sasha's memorial, but I but it's not up on video no, anywhere. No, but, no I... I... Um, it's uh yeah i called it uh sasha's last uh last heidi ho um uh sasha uh, that was the day he died that i that i that i was describing and uh um uh I, well i just I'll, i guess i could just read it to you what the hell yeah yeah go ahead okay uh let's see sasha shogun died at 5 p.m on tuesday june 2nd 2014 he was many things to me friend father figure, role model, teacher, and much, much more. After discussion with Anne and others, I've decided to share my personal account of his death with all of you. Although difficult, I think it is the right thing to do. Full disclosure has always been, after all, one of the cornerstones of Sasha's belief system. Sasha's breathing had suddenly become more shallow and labored. So we were all at a heightened state of awareness. Peaceful and touching Tibetan music was playing in the background. Surrounding Sasha with whispers of love and support were wonderful wife and magical matriarch Ann Shulgin, Wendy, Ann's daughter, Jason, son-in-law, and eight-year-old Audrey, granddaughter, Dichen, caregiver, Tanya, my wife, and me. I spoke my last Heidi Ho to Sasha. Back some years ago, when he started losing his sight, I began greeting him with that phrase. It became a statement of endearment, but at the time, I just wanted him to know that no matter where he was or how big a crowd surrounded him, I was nearby and had his back. Sasha exhaled strongly and seemed to not take in another breath. I was in disbelief. My hand was touching his foot. Someone else was listening closely for breath. Another was checking his wrist and then his neck for pulse. A kiss, a caress, faces of stark, honest emotion, loss and love, but no fear. Anne left the room, returning quickly with a brightly colored cloth belt. She wrapped it under Sasha's chin, past his ears and tied it at the top of his head. This, she said, was a tradition to respect the deceased by ensuring that the mouth would not remain agape. Someone else produced a white Tibetan scarf and arranged it around Sasha's head as an offering. Tanya went out into the garden and returned with rose petals, which were sprinkled generously around his body. 
He seemed so peaceful, so angelic. I looked at Audrey and thought how good it was that she was present to witness deaths, death as it should be, the natural conclusion of life. We all started hugging each other. Tears flowed like rain on a warm day at dusk. Anne whispered to Sasha and kissed him. She later told me how evident it was when she kissed Sasha that our bodies are like suits of clothing. At some point, we just take them off and move on. What is left is not us. Sasha's body stayed with us for five more hours as we grieved and communed and talked and occasionally even laughed. He died as he lived, full of grace, uncomplaining. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite something. And, you know, uh, I didn't realize that, um, I mean, uh, my, my, uh, Ooh, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm actually, uh, when, what, but right before he <laughs> went into that, that phase, I, I, I remember seeing him look up and and like he's coming on to another psychedelic going, oh, wow, this is how it is. He wasn't saying those words, but his expression was like, oh, wow, this is, you know, like I'm going into that other space. And like he was, it was familiar. It was wonder. It was wonderment, like yeah. like all the other times, you know, but the biggest wonderment, you know. And I'd uh, never seen it. I'd seen a lot of deaths. I'd never seen this. This, and, this gave me, this gave me hope for, uh, how beautiful this it was a beautiful most death. beautiful death I've <laughs> ever seen I've seen some people die and he was not in pain so it helped just to be he was pr so present and and I suspect wow. Myron might have been too because mm. Myron was living in the present moment and so was Sasha when when uh when I saw them in their you know in later stages right before death uh it and it's it was really a marvel to see that that I think all of his experiences were training him for yes, this moment. That's right. And, and it was such a beautiful uh, exit. And, and then he trained us and, at, yes. all the way to the end. Yeah. And his well, You know, we've, we've heard so many times here in, in talks here in the salon about how psychedelics are a perfect preparation for death. And you have just now uh, given really solid confirmation of that, uh, somebody who has experienced more psychedelics than any other human being and yeah. had a beautiful death. I, I can't imagine anything better. Oh my God. Oh, it's such you know, a privilege to uh, be in uh, the presence of that. And, uh, uh, and you, know, you can't be anything but grateful every morning you wake up here on the farm. That's. But uh, well, you know, here's something else that uh, I want to kind of put out here is that uh, you know, people have all kinds of different beliefs about uh, life after death and ancestors. And it really doesn't, for what I'm going to say right now, it doesn't matter what somebody's belief is about that. Hmm. But I happen to think that as long as we are carrying somebody in our mind, that their spirit is still alive. And right at this very moment, there's no doubt, but in this room, Sasha Sylvan's uh, spirit is very alive. And I think that... Uh, now throughout, you know, he, we've got uh, dozens of his talks. There's on YouTube, there's hundreds of them. There's, there's not a minute of the day goes by that someone somewhere in the world isn't hearing the words and wisdom of Sasha Shulgin. So in that regard, uh, he is still alive. His spirit is still with us. And uh, uh, boy, were we lucky to have somebody like him. Huh? Oh, we're so blessed. No kidding. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing about, you know, dementia, I'd never experienced or lived with a uh, person with dementia. And, you know, and all dementias are different. But uh, his emotional intelligence kept developing through 
throughout like it, it was it enriched his emotional his love grew it seemed like because he didn't have anything in the way of that and I felt like Myron's did too and you know Myron spent his whole life uh, uh, walking the spiritual path and I experienced that from from both of them when I saw them at different stages mm-hmm. of course on a day-to-day basis with Sasha but um, both of them seemed to me um, with all the work that they've done on themselves in their lives through the use of psychedelics uh, prepared them for for that time being um, maybe a, a little bit easier or or being able to uh, transcend that and to develop uh, their inner uh, spirituality off of that. But you know what else was fascinating about Sasha was that he approached his own aging, his own body, his own ailments. Uh, As a scientist. Just like he he approached everything in the lab. Um, I, 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 I remember sitting uh, in the, at the desk next to, next to him in his office one day and, and he he goes, hey, Greg, check this out. And I, and I turn, I look, and he says, okay, now watch this. I have this pencil in my, my, my right hand here. Now I'm going to reach down with my left hand. Now watch what happens to the pencil. And he reached down with his left hand to touch his, uh, to, towards his left calf. And as he got to his left calf, the, the pencil dropped out of the right hand. And he was, he was, he was saying, that's, and then he said, "That's peripheral neuropathy." This is <laughs> this he was is, discovering this is, this is peripheral neuropathy. Uh, he was he was investigating all the, the pathways as the, as these n- nerve problems were going on in his body, and he wanted me to see it. And I'm like, uh, and I really didn't know how to ha- hold it at the moment, you know. But I could, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of strange, Sasha," you know. <laughs> but but I can see now uh, that that was about him just. Yeah. viewing his own life uh, 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 just like he viewed everything else you know and you know both of his parents An were experiment and process both of his parents were school teachers and it's great to have the archives of them too because there's you know his mother taught him this scientific inquiry and this wonderment and discovery and so did his father and there's some great stories about them too but another another story oh god i wanted to say is uh he decided he one day he just handed the car keys to me and he says you know my macular degeneration is to the point where i don't I don't think I should drive anymore. And I have never heard of any elder that has done that because it's such a fierce, independent kind of action to drive. And then to, to usually people are trying to yank it away from you, but he himself volunteered to give me the keys and said, would you drive me around? I said, I'd be my pleasure. And, you know, we never, he never did something for top efficiency. He did things, we did things together. He would drive me to the bank and we would go places together because it was more fun to be in each other's company than, he, he than to felt, get the work done. You no, know he I'm just saying? felt like doing stuff. You know, yeah. we, we went to Bev Mo together, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like, so he, he liked running errands. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to Costco. Can I come with you, Greg? Sure. Come on. Yeah. I mean, if he had and, time, uh, <laughs> I mean, if he was working in the lab, not, but, but, but to be together was more fun and engaging then, then efficiency, like, oh, if you do this and, and then you go get that, then I'll, I'll do this in here. I mean, he did that when we were, he was writing the book sometimes, but, but more often than not, he would try to carve out the time that we could be together more. So it'd be more fun in company, you know, it'd just be more fun having companionship. You know, I, I remember him telling jokes, but uh, I have a hunch he probably did pranks too. Did he ever do? Oh, any- oh, oh yes. Yeah. Well, uh, at the Bohemian Grove, too, he did quite 
a bit because there were a few arrogant people and some of his very close friends would say, it was just a marvel to watch him just just ask this impossible question that he knew the guy could not answer, but the guy thought he knew the answer so much. Mm. And then, and then he would just slice and dice him, but he did it with, he didn't do it insultingly. He did it kind of with a loving teasing spin on it. So the guy would be chopped up and put together again, wouldn't know what happened to him. And all of Sasha's friends around would be just laughing and it. And and the guy didn't know what, 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 what happened to him. And uh, (laughs) he would would do, he would do things to mortify us. Like like we we went on this cruise down to, to Mexico together, the four of us and uh, uh, Sasha and uh, uh, we'd get on an elevator and some strange woman would get in the elevator and Sasha would turn to me and say, have you ever gone down in an elevator? <laughs> and, and, I'd, and I'd say, I really don't know him. He's not with, I'm not with him. Really, really. And it wasn't for the stranger. It was just to make me melt into, you know, this feeling completely... Well, this el- this elder Aussie woman was like, I think I know what y'all talking about. And then Anne would go, Sasha, you know, and he just loved it. He just loved it. They would just, you know, he'd do it for shock treatment, so, you know. So it was, he, 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 he was multifaceted. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yes, you're right. He like question. Yeah. Yes. So to to kind of riff on what Lorenzo was saying earlier about how he doesn't really think people really pass as long as their memories are being shared. Like I I remember right after I lost my grandpa, I would be hearing things that he would say in my head, like little catchphrases or sayings or anecdotes, like now we're cooking with, or, or, you know, just weird quirky, quirky things that were personal to him. Did, did Sasha have any of those sayings or, or anything like that, that you could share that, that come to mind? Uh, well, uh, what comes to mind really that was, it sticks in my, my head right now is that, um, he died a month before his anniversary to Anne and we have a party every year to celebrate that with our close friends. And, um, uh, there was a, um, oh, I, there's a story that's written here. So my memory is probably not as good as the written story. So, uh, yeah, it was 4th of July and. We were talking, uh, Greg and I were talking with some friends outside the house, uh, the front door, when a red-tailed hawk flying about 20 feet above our heads let out a shriek. As if we were characters in the movie Forrest Gump, a single feather floated down elegantly, yet with enchanting intentionality. Our friend Patricia, a Native American of Native American heritage, was the power of this gift from Sasha. A feather from a hawk symbolizes guardianship strength and farsightedness also she says it's very uncommon to actually catch the feather in your hand it usually right this feather was delivered to us from the hawk directly (laughs) and it was on the fourth of july party that sasha well it's fourth of july is their anniversary yes we didn't fourth of july party here that's been going on for years people think it's the fourth of july it no it's because it's sasha and ann's anniversary so um so it was really uh, a miraculous thing. So I can I, I understand what you're saying about the voices in your head. I mean, uh, I, I've had other experiences where somebody died and uh, I had a vision of them when they died. Um, and that vision came back to me f- uh, over and over again for months. Um, and it was a beautiful, serene uh, um, image of them moving into another world or universe or dimension. Uh, 
So I hope that answers your question. But also there's a piece of music, you know, that Sasha and Ann would, would, would typically listen to. And like Prokofiev, when a certain piece of Prokofiev comes and Ann remembers Sasha, and then I remember her loving Sasha. And there, there are these moments, it's more musical for me than, than language. So maybe we all perceive it or, or get the download in different ways using different, different ways like language or music mm. or, you know, different ways of communicating that, that person's spirit to us. Yes. Yeah, so when- I, I think that's very, very true because, you know, people are also multifaceted anyway that uh, they all affect us a little differently. So that, that could be very true. Uh, we've, we, uh, we've come up on our hour here and I try to keep these to an hour so that people don't get uh, too long, but I see Larry, Larry. Martin, Martin, I have a question. One last question. Go ahead, Larry. Take your time. Hi, Larry. Hello. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, was he a member of the Bohemian Grove Society or was he just a regular visitor as a guest? No, he was a member. No, he was a member. And, uh, you know, it started as an artist's uh, yeah. journalist club. And he was part of the Tunerville uh, Viola Squadron section. So he he loved playing music with them. And, you know, he said it really it was the art artsy side of it rather than the political Republican, what, what people think of, of the club as, as, as that. Um, but he had so much fun frolicking with the boys for two weeks and, you know, mm. being silly. And I never really thought about it, but because of the whole, all the ceremonies they do with the giant owl, it, it is a, um, it is an ancestor of Burning Man. Well, Larry, I, I can add a little uh, information because I, I read uh, Sasha's letters from Bohemian Grove. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't want to reveal too much, but at one point, I can't remember exactly what it was. He got injured somehow. Now, they, they put on these musical presentations, and uh, uh, I forget which one that this year was, but uh, he was obviously playing the viola, but uh, the narrator for the thing at the time that year was uh, Henry Kissinger, who he really disparaged and said the guy had no talent at all. But uh, anyhow, Sasha got, got injured and had to go to the medical tent, and he said, so this year... I won the pool as to be the first one in Bohemian Grove to have the medical tent wiggle his balls. <laughs> you what? So, so it wasn't all serious conspiracy theories going on out there. Stories he told me. And then, you know, there's one story he said that where Henry Kissinger had his entourage and he was making Bloody Marys in the morning and he, he handed Hank. He said, Hank, can you move your whole entourage to the side? I'm trying to serve Bloody Marys here. I called him Hank. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have anything going on. Oh, Mr. Kissinger. No, it wasn't like that. You know, he treated everybody equal, you know, as an equal. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, Greg and Tanya, this this has been really fun, and we're just now getting up to speed, it feels like. Why don't don't, uh, we plan on doing more of these? And you guys, you guys round up. Uh, people like Trout and some of the other characters up there, and uh, they come in with you. Uh, these are all, you can see, really informal, but uh, I think we can really capture a, a, a little corner of history that's going to disappear otherwise. I think you're, uh, I, I'm all about preserving history, and, and these te- storytelling is, you know, our oral history is, is a- ages old, and let's keep it going. I had a feeling you were going to say this at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, listen, you guys have access to some of the best oral history that we know of, and, and uh, 
uh, I really hope that you'll uh, consider doing this because it uh, it'll be a continuation of the wonderful work you've been doing. I, oh, I, we we you. all appreciate. You know, we all could breathe so much easier knowing that that Anne had the two of you to to help with uh, Sasha because you know it can be a real burden and and oh, she's are still there with her too. And I want to thank everybody who helped us take care of Sasha too. There were, it was a village. I'm telling you, it was our whole community pitched in to help take care of Sasha and. And we're continuing to do it with Anne. And um, and thank you all for being part of this in, in the room here, the chat room. And and we will we will do this again for sure. Please give our love to Anne and uh, and and to uh, the rest of the gang up there at the lab. Well, it's, right. it's fun well, hanging out with y'all. Yeah. Until next week, y'all uh, keep the old faith and stay high. <laughs> all right, sweetie, take care. Love to Mary C. Okay, thank you. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. <laughs>